like the American dream, right? It's like you, you spend your life working for your retirement. Golly, what a lot of shit, man. I would tell young Lori to slow down and allow the season to do its work. Don't say healthy, don't say happy, don't say well, and don't say normal. You show me one person on the planet who's healthy, happy, normal, and well. Who is that person? Is there something good that can be gained quickly? I don't know. Welcome back to the Incense Podcast, where I am Sam Eltridge. And I, hi. This is Blade. And Blade. Blade is over there. Why did you get a last name? Um, It's important. We're, You know what? I had a conversation about this very thing, and I'm okay with that stuttering intro, you know, because we don't introduce ourselves. All these other podcasts out there, you know, like, look, I'm Johnny Appleseed, and this is the So-and-So Podcast. Chad Emrod, yeah. Tim Ferriss. I mean, you know. We know. We clicked on your podcast. We know who we're listening Jeff to. Jeff Goldsmith. That's just automatically. Anyway, for you new folks, that's who we are. And this is the once every 27 episodes we introduce ourselves. No, we're going to do it from now on because I kept meeting guys that were listeners and they would ask, are you Sam or Blaine? Because that's going to happen anyway. But they'll hear my voice now and associate it with Blaine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. This week, I'm going to take it down a notch. Blaine's fastly looking up some latin prepositions to bring into it so you guys don't get too disoriented <laughs> um we've got this small group and we've been going through this book you guys may or may not have heard of when you say we mean we mean you we the royal we blame me and god sam and his bestowing of kingship has uh me in this role wow let's take it down a notch uh we've been going through beautiful outlaw um which has been awesome because it's something that i've read before and we were, we we're starting this, this group and the intention was to be focusing on like the teachings and the way of Jesus. And we had to like stop ourselves. And before we dove into just dissecting all of the red text in the Bible and trying to not commit any heresies in doing so, we, we found that it was really helpful to begin again with his personality. Like let's, let's actually examine the person that is Jesus through a particular lens. Um, and if things are helpful to keep them, and if they're not helpful to let them go. Um, and so we chose this book because it's really good. And because I had copies lying around to use and it's definitely more of the first, not the second you guys, this week was on his playfulness and it was so good. And it was so helpful that I'd like, we needed to talk about it today because, oh my gosh, it gets lost. Like the person of Jesus in this particular season and in the, the culture, it, it does get lost. Um, and I want to start with a story. For a couple of weeks, this there was a song that was very popular on the radio. Um, I'm not going to say which song. I remember this. But it it was literally every time I would get in the car and turn on the radio, it didn't matter if I was borrowing someone's car, which happened a couple of times, didn't matter if I, uh, what time of day it was, what station, it, like it was a guarantee that when I turned on the radio, I was going to get this popular song that I didn't like, actually. It wasn't like a, one of those moments where you got something stuck in your head and you hope to hear it. It was the opposite. It was like I could hear the intro riff, and I knew it was the song. And it would, it would always beat the intro riff. It wouldn't be like I'd catch the middle of the song. It would be like Sam gets in car, song starts up. And it actually became this running joke, joke. between me and God that 
there was actually very playful and very specific and very intimate. So I could get in a car and I would just start grinning and it would make me think of Jesus and the ways that he likes to disrupt and enter and slow me down. And I, then I'd reach over and turn on the radio and the song would be there. And I'd listen to all of 10 seconds of it, usually less. But when that kept happening over and over and over again for several weeks, it became this very specific, very unique way that I, I got to experience some of the playfulness of Jesus in real time. And it wasn't the way that I had hoped to be experiencing playfulness. I kind of felt like it was that like side ribbing kind of make fun of type humor that actually is very specific to me. That is definitely one of the ways that I receive affection. It's not telling me jokes. It's that like coming in sideways and be like, you know what I'm going to do? You know, I'm going to make you listen to that same song again. It's interesting Here's an exercise that helps frame this. I love talking about the personality of Jesus. And one thing that makes this accessible is take out your cell phone at some point and find a close friend and your text exchange with that close friend and then read your words to them sort of allowed in just deadpan. You, you know, I'm going to give us an example. I'm going to give you some I give you an example. Uh so <laughs> this uh I'm just going to read my side. What about March 8? I he said we're on. Brother needs some man love. Okay? That's I'm just glad you used the word "ite" in the text. Ite for one th- for one thing that's meaningless. You didn't get the other side of the conversation, so you have no idea what's happening. Uh, but on the other hand, what you don't have is the personality of, in this case, me, which I understand really ribbing a friend of mine. Like this is a conversation that we laughed about, and that when Emily looked at me as I was texting, just brother needs some man love. I was smiling to myself and and said, oh, sending a satisfying text message. And that's what happens with the stories of Jesus. And Beautiful Outlaw, book by Padre on the personality of Jesus, fantastic resource. Even if you haven't read it recently, like apparently you're related to the guy and you're getting a lot out of it. But I just go. I do have a last name and you don't. Trying to read the stories without the person is a completely ineffective way to connect with God. Right. Yeah. And that is one of the metaphors that um, Padre uses earlier on in the book of just how many texts and emails have gotten you in trouble because they couldn't see the twinkle in your eye or the seriousness of your face in those situations. And it's a really effective one because we do. We dissect the personality, the potential playfulness or seriousness in any given text. And we have to try to read it from context or hope that the pastor is giving a particularly passionate sermon. And what I love about this chapter of playfulness is it's one of those very human characteristics that gets sort of shoved to the side to make way for some of the, like the more quote unquote, holy characteristics. So you think of like passionate, um, you think of kind, you think of holy, you might think of meek and mild and gentle and kind of all these things that we like to push back on a little bit. Cause if you just have those what do you do with the fierceness? What do you do with the fact that he went to the cross for you? That doesn't sound very meek. And 
what I love about playfulness is that it's, that has to be specific to you because the joke that's going to make you laugh or the thing that's going to catch your eye in nature is going to be very different than the thing that's going to make me laugh. And I know that you've probably had that moment where you've like told a story or a joke to a room and you're like, you guys, this thing happened. And then she said, and everybody just kind of looks at you like, why are you, you're so stupid. Why are you telling us this right now? Maybe no one's had that, just me, but it, no, I know. I, I can imagine what you're talking oh, about. Oh, you can, yeah. You, your jokes always land home. Um, there's this part here that I highlighted in the book that I need to read. And it goes like this. Haven't you seen something in nature that made you laugh? Perhaps you did not make the connection that you were meant to laugh, that it was God who made you laugh, that he laughed with you. Now you know something very important about Jesus. It's just huge. I have a hundred examples. The fun thing about playfulness is it isn't all that difficult to access. You just read in that passage, it's already out there. What's missing is sort of the receiving of the category and then requesting and an invitation to experience more of the playfulness of God. I mean, and it can be truly crazy where Em and I are up there tonight and Ailish, my daughter, is vomiting and it is, it's just one of those, it's the middle of the night, it's a mess. It's a highlight of parenting. It's a highlight of parenting. <laughs> Everybody has these stories, we're in the middle of one, and we're sort of in this moment of trying to decide who should go to bed when, this can't get worse, do we need to change Ailish, and I'm holding her, and she's, you know, starting to heave again, and she throws up some more, and it. Em and I just have sort of this kind of, oh, here we go again, and then... She pukes up an entire, like, massive slice of mushroom that she must have snagged off the kitchen counter while food prep was happening. And on the one hand, it can just be like, oh, this is worse. But actually, when your heart is habituated to the playfulness of God, Emma and I look at each other and just start cracking up because we're in the middle of a scarcity night. We're in the middle of a night where we go, we're not going to get sleep. This is the worst. It's so hard to watch your daughter be ill. And then it was just this reminder of God. If God is available to us, this is not all that bad. Out of a source of morbid curiosity, you guys hadn't had mushrooms for dinner that night. Yeah, the story gets crazy. <laughs> this is like you knew the answer to that question. That's why you were asking. Yeah, uh, we you know, we were looking at each other going, "When did we have mushrooms? We had we had mushrooms yesterday." So that uh. mushroom had a long journey. Um, another story where. I'm cleaning the house after my daughter is in bed and I'm sort of kind of in that grumpy, can't get out of my own head zone. And I go to fill up a bucket of water in the bathtub and, you know, crank on the thing and the shower was still on. It has, we have one of those, you know, you pull the tab on the faucet and it comes at the top. And so all of a sudden I just douse like the whole back of my head, head and shoulders with cold water which would only be annoying if that were not a trick that I love playing on people. Like, if my friends have a shower like that, I go pull it up because I know it's going to happen to them. Uh, or if they have a sink where you can like put a rubber band around the thing. I know it's a childish <laughs> break, but you. I think it's so funny. And it was, I like, everyone just hears me laughing because I go, on the one hand, I could go, now, my, now I'm soaked. I was grumpy and I was doing work and now I'm wet. But 
because of all of these experiences building up the category of the playfulness of God, it was pretty easy in that moment to go, you got me. Like, here's a, another one you guys know from following the podcast for a year that a year ago was this, we were getting to the end of a year-long house hunt trying to move into this neighborhood where our church was centered and a friend of ours had a neighbor who was giving away a couch and they connected me because I love free stuff and I was headed down there and I felt like Jesus said, hey, like grab, grab a six pack as a thank you. You know, nothing expresses gratitude like handing a cardboard box of six beers to someone. So I go get the couch load it into a buddy's truck who had come along to lend a hand. And I go, hey, do you guys drink beer? Because i got a six-pack for you. And they give me kind of this long look. It was so funny. And go, well, what kind of beer is it? I go, it's Fat Tire. And they go, oh, no thanks. And you know what I didn't ask? What I didn't ask is, what beer would you have said yes to? Because that's the gold standard of microbrews in Colorado. I go, if I would have said it's like Molson Ice, which is a Canadian, which is the, this Hard is to a, find the Coors of Canada, would you have accepted it? But I'm driving home, and I get a call from a real estate agent because we had just put in an offer, and he you know, went, hey, just letting you know, sorry for the wait. They took some time to review offers today. Your offer didn't get picked. And it was just like, of course it didn't pick. This, you know, We've offered whatever, half dozen times, and duh. And so I hang up the phone and I go, man, Jesus, that is really frustrating. And Jesus goes, that is why I had you pick up the six pack. I go home and tell Emily and I'd go, Jesus bought us beer. <laughs> like, <laughs> or you buy the beer and he, can, he told you to. Yeah. What I, what I love about the playfulness piece is that it does a really good job of dismantling the religious. Like it takes this whole other category to go... Does it always need to be serious or does your interaction with Jesus always need to be limited to these places? And I know I fall into the category all the time where I approach the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father, as sort of like an eight ball. Like I I really come sometimes with just questions like, give me an answer and then I'm going to get back to my thing and you get back to your thing. Like, let's just keep it short. I know you got a lot on your plate. And in seasons of like extreme difficulty, I can rely on him more heavily. Um, but the playfulness, the peace demands an intimacy and an eye for him in the everyday. Otherwise like the radio song would have just been obnoxious. Like I would have been pissed at yes. the American public's taste or a pop radio, popular radio being owned by the same company these days or the shower hitting you in the back of the head would have been a trigger for more anger and irritation and like, it's a long day. Like what the heck is this? But actually if you're giving the, the space and cultivating that very familiar relationship to go, no, you, ha- you have permission here. And actually you have that facet of your personality. Like I'm not going to remove playfulness from the person that you are because all of a sudden now you are actually a very boring person. And this was a really helpful thing that somebody challenged me on when it came to my idea of heaven was that the the typical examples that get put out there of clouds in the sky or this sort of never ending church service or even like the, the new heaven, new earth, like many of them, I still feel like I can come up with better alternatives and 
that's a really good test to go like, wait, are you actually able to imagine something better than what you think is the ultimate reward? Hmm. Okay. Maybe that's worth pushing up a little bit against and saying like, maybe what God does have in store is better than what you can think of. And it might be therefore more in that direction. The same thing happened with the personality. Like if you remove playfulness, all of a sudden I can think of like 20 to 100 people I'd rather be in relationship with because they're playful, because they can take jokes and they can have that back and forth. And if you remove playfulness from someone, like you know these people in your world who cannot take a joke, who you do a little bit of ribbing to and you're like, wow, I am never interacting with that person in the coffee room again. And what I'm aware of is how it goes the other way too. Think of the people that you are not willing to receive playfulness from and how much that destroys the relationship. This is often depicted in film in the form of, I'm thinking of the Disney movie The Kid and the father-son relationship in the beginning of the film where the adult son is completely unreceptive to the playfulness of his dad. And the effect of it is that there is no relationship with his dad. It's, I just need straight answers from you. I won't actually receive any of your heart. This happens in sibling relationships all the time where I'm in a serious mood. You want to be playful. So I go like, hey, stop. And I'm like, stop it. And then the effect is actually all relationship is shut down. It's not like, oh, great. Well, now we have this great relationship of serious declarative sentence exchanges. It goes, no, by closing my heart off to the intimacy expressed in play, I actually shut myself off to being able to have a relationship with you. Totally. We do that with God. I'm so aware of like, where he can be playful and we're committed to getting an answer that we need to a question or getting some relief. I'm actually closing myself off to the relationship that would be the avenue of all those things. So last summer, we were in the Tetons, as we often are as a family, and Susie had a birthday, so we were going to have this birthday dinner that you'd planned, and earlier in the day, Em and Ailish and myself, we were all on a walk, Ailish needed a diaper change in the woods, which is actually the best place to change a diaper, there's just lots of air, like it smells like pine needles, and... I'm changing her diaper, and I get down to uh, one wipe, and I go, whew, thank God I have one wipe left. And Jesus goes, rip it in half. And I go, okay. So I you know, divide the wipe in half, and I use half the wipe to finish changing my daughter. Put the rest away. Don't think about it again until it's dinner time. And because it's Susie's birthday, as a family, we're trying to work together to give her... Nine, one, 90 one minutes off <laughs> of constantly being a mob. So, you know, your son starts to cry and someone comforts him. Your daughter, uh, well, your daughter needs a diaper change. So I put up a hand to go, I can do it. So take her outside to change her diaper, get things going, uh, open up my diaper bag. And your daughter has like a serious poopy, but I open my diaper bag. And I see my one half of one wipe that I have left and just like, you know, go to Jesus, like you SOB, but like little, <laughs> like just this, you freaking punk. Cause, and it was so funny. Cause I went, you could have told me 
get another bag of wipes because I know that this is what you were doing. You were setting me up here to have like one half wipe versus a whole poopy bottom. And it was so funny. And I love telling this story because I go, Jesus didn't go, Blaine, he's not this dry, urgent moralist saying, always pack your bag. Get up to your room and replenish your supplies at once. It was, hey, save, save half that wipe. Almost suppressing a smile as he goes, because later you're going to have to figure out a Get, like, get the whole job done with that tiny piece of paper. It was so funny. I personally love the difference between playfulness and someone who's just needing to be the center of attention, the, the comedian. Playfulness like, is this experience of abundance. They know that they can rib you a little bit or that you can be ribbed or they can be ribbed because there's this, this cushion there of relationship and space that they actually end up feeling very safe in a way that somebody who just needs to be the the center of the party making jokes and laughing, they actually get very insecure as soon as they're no longer in that space. But the playfulness, he put you in that situation knowing that you were going to be okay with it and that actually it was going to be a turning of your heart to him there and not in like a nice, neat, daily Bible thought sort of way, but it was like, you punk, you set me up for this. And now I got to figure out how to clean the rest of this diaper. One of my favorite stories of my whole relationship with God is from this backpacking trip that we did before my senior year of college. Um, We went out into the mountains because people were just beginning to figure out that if you actually want teams to bond and people to be a little bit more real. You've got to get them out of their natural environment and into the mountains. And so off we went with these kids who had a variety of experiences in the woods. Most of them had never been backpacking and it was awesome because it's a familiar context for me. And like, I loved the trip and it was on the, the eve of our becoming RAs. And we do this one night where it was a kind of a solo, but you were all within about 100 to 300 yards of each other. We happened to be circling this lake, and it was gorgeous. I had heard that in the past they'd given you the option of taking your sleeping bag or not, but they didn't give it to us this year because we were higher than they expected us to be, and it was colder. And So naturally I like pretended to have my sleeping bag because I kind of wanted to like do all of the hard things, which meant that I was freaking cold and awake for most of the night. But... I got to have this like awesome time of prayer that is not my norm. I'm up all night. I'm praying over the year. I'm listening and also being a little bit playful and testing with God. There's this moment, it's the middle of the night and I'm looking up at the stars and I kind of push back against God and I'm, I'm like, you know, you say, you know, the number of hairs on our head and you, you name the stars do you name all of the falling stars, all the shooting stars? Cause I look up and there goes this, this one cutting across the sky. And immediately I just, I hear the words dappled one. And it was said with a smile and this immediateness that it was like, yeah, Sam, I, I can meet you in your little testing. I can meet you in that place of here on the mountain where you really do want an answer and you want to, you want to push against me and I just, I busted up laughing and loved it. And what actually was it, it was back to the abundance place of you can take a little bit of testing and of playfulness. And like, I got back at the end of that night and we all gathered around in a circle and people were like, okay, so what was your experience like last night? And I looked like John the Baptist come out of the wilderness with a crazy look in my eye and a fat lip. And 
it was it was awesome half frozen yeah i mean it was just one of those times where it was like if my understanding of god is someone that i can have that kind of dialogue with then i have understood him to be someone who is abundant and playful and spacious and therefore safe and knowable i'm aware in telling these stories that it's easy to hear them and sort of think that relating with jesus in this way is the activity of spiritual elites. I just want to say, oh, man, no. Right. Just to share, my goodness, the amount of times this week I've had to break the agreement that God doesn't love me, I like effectively disqualifies any level of, like, well, maybe not disqualifies, but shows like, no, we're not talking about having attained a level where you're floating through life with God and, and everything play. irritating is actually a joke. Yeah, and I go, I'm that yeah. I get so irritated. Nope. But go, we're assuming a few things. We're assuming that Jesus wants to be known and good grief. This is one of my things about the Bible and I guess this is a cul-de-sac but how you actually don't get the Bible before God. You have to begin with the human sensitivity to God in the world. And then you get this bit of news about God revealing himself to a particular people. And you go, well, is there any record of this? And you go, yes, fortunately, a lot of it was written down. Uh, And in fact, not only was it written down, but God himself oversaw the construction of this document. Were there any doubt that God wanted to be known? The fact that there is a Bible should kind of satisfy that and go, God is fully capable of introducing himself to humanity as he does across the Old and New Testaments personally, showing up, and as he does around the world. I mean, you read the book, A Wind in the House of Islam, about the sort of growing movements of Christianity inside the major Islamic, I'll call it the block of the world, and the number of people who have dreams where Jesus comes and introduces himself to them, and that is their point of entry into the kingdom. God is fully capable of making himself known, and yet he's so committed to being known that he goes, by the way, you just, uh, boom, thousands of pages of ancient, beautiful literature for you to get to know me by, and I'm living. And so God wants to be known and is knowable, and asking to experience the playfulness of God is one of the ways that we actually deepen our ability to see God. Yeah, for me, like it... it comes back to that heart posture of where are you willing to be looking for him? Where are you willing to have that relationship? Because when you have eyes for it, when I have eyes for it, I can, I can ask a question that I might not have normally asked. I can see things and be willing to interpret them as not just random things that are meant to either frustrate me or obstacles for me to overcome. And there are plenty of times when that doesn't happen, man. Like, I can't tell you the amount of times I've taken like the trash and recycling out to the garage and literally everything has gone wrong in those 15 steps. Like I'm slipping on things. I'm hitting my hand on the door as it opens the trash can slamming on my head. Like it, it seems like it gets worse. Now you're covered in organic residue. Like if this was a movie, I'd be like, wow, that comedy is way overblown. Like no scene ever unfolds like that. I'm like, well, actually that is just me. Like the more, I just get more and more mad. And, and that would have been like, if the shower had come on for me and hit me in the head, I'd have been like, this day sucks. But instead, you're busting up going, this is my very particular love language that is built with my close friends. And 
Jesus is one of them. And so he gets to turn that into a joke with me. The trash and recycling does not turn into a joke. That does not turn into any way that I build my holiness. Like, it was just the worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it is like, I want more of it. Like I want more of that posture shift to like, Jesus, where are you being playful with me? And how am I missing you? Because the fruit of it is that it's more of my heart and eyes turned toward him and relationship with him. And it's so good. It makes me think of Frederick Beekner has a book. The gospel is tragedy, comedy, and fairy tale. Great book. One of the, arguably the best portrait of Pilate ever, where Pontius Pilate is depicted as a 20th century sort of American bureaucrat. And it's just, it's so insightful. But his notes on the comedy is that part of the comedy is how unbelievable the story is. And yet it's true. And it's that part of our experience of God that goes, oh, I can't. This is almost unbearable, and yet this is exactly the kind of thing uh, that you do where a buddy of mine was working on a writing project, and at the same time, he was in a season of his life where it was all about being heard, being seen, uh, being seen by God, and he's wrestling with God on this as he's completing this short story, and he gets to the end of it, and he and I are sitting in a coffee shop together uh, working on some writing, and all of a sudden, he looks up and he's laughing and crying at the same time, and just with sort of this, I just can't believe it, shake of his head, and I go, what is it? And he goes, well, the name of my character, I just felt like I should look it up to see what it means, and it means God hears you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, before the season ever started, God's answer to you is already set in motion. And like another extremely just a personal story is, you know, how like last year, lost a friend, wasn't going to be able to be at the memorial service. So I recorded a video of some of my favorite stories with this person and, you know, sent it off so that it could be a part of the memorial. And then you're there and you send me this text uh, that goes, Nice to have your words here, even if they were delivered upside down. And, you know, for some reason, my video had arrived, like, and is on the screen, but I'm upside down. And at the same time, it was just one of those laughing, crying, hedging, because it was playful. And at the same time, it was incredibly serious because it was Jesus accessing my heart going, it's all going to be okay. You're okay. Your relationship is Okay. And even in the middle of this pain, the gospel is still true that where you are longing to be met, Jesus is actually already living. So for those listening, do you hear the abundance in Blaine's reaction to that story? Like there's the part of you that could go, this is a memorial for a friend that I could not be there for. And so I record a video and it was meant to be poignant and specific and instead it was delivered upside down on the projector for every like what the hell happened but instead of there needing to be this particular outcome or this particular loss of that there is a different interpretation that's abundant because jesus can access you through the playfulness of it yeah you even reflecting on that 
I realized I was asking myself the question, yeah, okay, so how does how is this cultivated? And I realize it is the things that we'll often talk about. Like it is asking God to meet you in the things that you love because it builds a language of play and it builds the personal language of inside jokes emerge between people that share interests and hang out a lot. Like it's pretty simple. You don't have inside jokes with people who you have nothing in common with or you like too rarely cross paths. It's it's an intimate language. Regularly asking God and looking for God in the things that I love begins building this area of play. And it goes back to, you know, asking Jesus to be a part of my bike riding and him challenging me at certain points to ride faster and sometimes saying, go easier, as we've talked about in podcasts on exercise. But just as often he'll go, I bet you can't beat X timed at the top of that hill. And it'll be kind of this, oh man, that's going to be so hard. Oh, I'm totally going to try to do it. And then through relating with God in this space, the understanding of him builds that something extremely serious can happen. And yet there's so much history that when he does something, I just go, oh my gosh, that is just, that is what you're like. And that's the kind of joke you would make to me. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, A couple of times I've asked for Jesus to give me a picture um, before doing a talk or a response. And I remember there's one boot camp. Um, I was going to be giving a, like my first response that was going to be particularly vulnerable about our miscarriage. And I was really nervous before going up on stage and like the words were all kind of falling apart in my head beforehand. And I just asked Jesus, like, can you just give me a picture? Like I need something that's going to bring the confidence back and the assurance to go do this. And what came was Jesus doing by himself uh, the soccer tunnel that moms do after a game where you kind of put your hands out, and, but it really requires at least two people to make even the soccer doorway. Soccer. So it's, just, it's just Jesus, like in my mind, the picture he gives me and he's standing doing this little soccer tunnel at the foot of the stairs to the stage. That's it. The relief just spread across my chest and I felt this, like myself laughing and, and the, the frivolity of it, the playfulness of it allowed the confidence to come back and then go and do a very serious thing and um, enter into that holy space. And what I needed in that moment was a little bit of goofiness. I didn't need like a, you are my son, you are more than a conqueror, like you can go do this. I didn't need that pump up at that moment. What I needed was Jesus going, woo, woo, at the foot of the stage. Like, and that brought me through what I needed. It was really good to to have like an experience of him and an expectation of him to get to be experienced that way was what I needed at the time. What I hear in the story, which just so apparent to me right now, is just the it's the same theme that I find myself wanting solutions when the invitation is relationship mm-hmm. and wanting relief when the invitation is intimacy and play in that kind of answer there is a radical shift in heart posture that lets you receive that as the answer from God moving out of the mode that goes I have some serious questions right now and what you are bringing is play or music or some some element of relating and go yes that is the thing that will actually meet your heart and actually looking for 
relationships instead of relief and looking for intimacy, more connection instead of answers can be one of the things that opens you to experience the playfulness of God and then find that it's the thing that's addressing your pain. 